Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Detroit drops the season opener to the Devils in New Jersey. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's host over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. Scotty, the Red Wings, first of all, happy Friday. You know what I realized when I was recording Tigers today? It is Friday the 13th in October. Yes, correct. That's that's spooky. It's a little... that's... Sure is, buddy. <laughs> happy sure Friday to you too, bud. <laughs> is it a happy Friday? Is it a happy Friday? The Red Wings... No, I'm just kidding. The Red Wings <laughs> dropped the, the first game of the season against the New Jersey Devils. One of the best teams in the league, let's be honest. Jack Hughes is him. That guy is incredible. Dog. I mean, Jesus. Uh, we're going to talk about the whole game as best we can. There's a lot to break down. I took extensive notes actually doing my gosh darn job for once. For once. Um, for once in my life. And, I mean, I we can start in the first period if you want because I thought coming out the gate, Scotty, the Red Wings played incredible. And everyone agrees that. Everyone is saying it. At the end of the first period, the Red Wings were the better team. I, I They were very aggressive in the corners. Uh, they were winning races to the corners as well. They were forechecking very hard, making it so that the Devils couldn't get anything started off the rush. They were on top of them before they crossed the blue line. Just all over the place. They had should have had four goals by the end of the first. Clem Costin hit a post. Your boy Sprong hit a post. Uh, and then Raymond and Comfort both whiffed on great opportunities in high dangerous positions. Like everything, the power play was clicking. The passing was bing, bang, boom. Just great stuff. I mean, I really liked what I saw out of the Red Wings, and I thought that's how they needed to come out in the first period against, a, let's face it, a superior roster in the New Jersey Devils. They came out in the first and played like they had something to prove. But unfortunately, it was 0-0 at the end. Yeah, you know, the, the the score at the end of the first certainly stings a little bit just because they were, like, objectively, honestly, the better team. Like, they yeah. were, like, it, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, the, the, the Wings outplayed the Devils in the first period, which uh, is, is a great sign and was awesome to see. But the, the score being what it was stung a little bit. And then, you know, the, the second period, they it was com the complete opposite. And they were really, really flat in the second. And, and that was, you know, an exhausting first. They were buzzing. Boys were buzzing after one or, or in the first. And, uh, and like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, all in all, they put themselves in a position to win this game multiple times over. Like, you already mentioned the opportunities in the first. And then even after coming out flat in the second, it was, what, a one-goal game going into the third? Mm -hmm. and, and they would end up, it was two to one, and they would end up scoring three goals, the Wings. Like, they, they put themselves in position to win this game a lot of times you could count on two hands, maybe not even <laughs> uh, that the, the amount of opportunities they had to like take a, a commanding lead or to even win this hockey game. So um, got off to a really, really strong start. 
opposite in the second and then pretty close. New Jersey probably outplays you in the third, but but a lot closer and you still get some goals on the board. I I I mean, we'll get to, you know, thoughts of, of <laughs> yeah. the overall game as a whole as we get further. But yeah, the, the great start was a was a great tone setter. And because of the fact that they looked the exact opposite in the second period, you kind of needed to go all to the wall there yeah. in the first, clearly. Yeah, and I mean, the Red Wings had 58% of the even strength shot attempts. So the Corsi 4 percentage, they had 58% share, almost 59%. So like, not only were they swarming, shutting down the Devils opportunities a lot of the times, you know, they, were, they were shooting the puck from everywhere, like absolutely everywhere. And it was, it was great to see, honestly, like it was refreshing that yeah. a team that is their their game plan is to be defensively minded was going out there and just shooting the puck from absolutely everywhere. And Vitek Vinicek had was and throughout this entire game. I mean, overall, this was a goalie battle through and through. There was obviously other players we're going to mention, but this was Huso versus Vinicek pretty much the entire game. Uh, Vinicek obviously allowed three in the end. That last third goal with like 33 seconds left probably ruined his expected goal saved or his goal saved above expected because uh, he only came in at like 0.01. So like literally 1% even, I mean, above. Even just straight up his save percentage, he ends the game with a 914. If he doesn't let that baby in, you're talking yeah. about like a 930 or a 940. So um, yeah, he was phenomenal, man. I, I mean, you know, credit where credit is due. This was a really chippy hobby ga hockey game. And uh, I, I was I was amped up, man. I was oh, yeah. I, you should have seen me. I was I was jumping and walking around and pumping my fists and yelling things. I, I was I was uh, yelling. <laughs> he thinks he's on the team meme. I was all in it, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, the credit where credit is due. Vanacek looked uh, looked phenomenal. I mean, uh, obviously, especially the first two periods. Uh, he, he was basically a brick wall out there. Yeah, even, I, I mean, even the goals we scored, man, like. You know, the Spronger, you know, it just like he gets a piece of it. It squeaks through the Fabry one again, like right in front of the net, just through the five hole. Like, I, I mean, he outside of the the, the Debrinket goal. I mean, it, it it was it was a lot of brick wall happening. He, he looked great. But Huso was phenomenal. Yes. And I, I think that that's in, you know, what we're, we should talk about. Like he obviously four goals against at the end of the day. Well, well, three, three, right. The That was empty netter that. Game management at the end of the game, I thought was was pretty solid. You know, going to five on four during the power play, I liked, and then you know, obviously two goals, you're going to put him back out there, and then pulling him a second time, I I liked how that was managed. But anyway, yeah, I I think Huso looked really really good, and I know that the you know three goals at the end of the day, you're not going to look at that and think, wow, like that dude was on his head or anything, but he was he he was he was really really locked in especially through the first two periods, man. Well, he was, he was he's really good. Especially in period two when, and we'll talk about this, but the devils were just gliding through our, our defensive zone. Yeah, like yeah. There was nobody there. The defense is gap control. They were just Jack Hughes, especially the, there was no resistance for the devils forwards. I think he stopped the breakaway attempt on, was it, uh, I think it might've been Brat. I can't quite remember who it was, but I mean, Billy Huso was the reason they, it was, they were only down one going into the end of the third period because he had to stand on his head. I know he comes out of this game with an eight, eight, five save percentage. So he allowed three on uh, 26 shots against, but his goal saved above expected is 0.8, like almost an entire goal. So that goes, just goes to show like he was kind of left out hung to dry. I know there's going to be one that he's going to want back. And that's that Jack Hughes goal. Their first one of the the game from yeah. behind the net. Like, yeah, that one stings. You got to shut it down and seal up that post. But at the same time, that's just Jack Hughes. 
being Jack Hughes. Like that's an absolute ripper of a shot to take back there. He intentionally banked it off Huso's head. So it kind of, the blame kind of goes both ways. Like on one hand, both can be true at the same time, right? Like, holy cow, that's an incredible shot, but also Huso, my buddy, you got to, you got to seal up that post. So see yeah, you got to, you, you got to seal that, uh, that side for sure. But, but he more um, than made I, I up mean, for it with the rest of the game. Yeah. Like a, as a whole, you know, for, for reasons why the wings lost this game, Billy Huso is at the bottom of that list, yeah. you know, that, <laughs> and that's not even like typical locked on Red Wings goalie apologist talking. That's just, like pretty straightforward, man. He was really, really good in the soccer game. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, period two, it was a complete one eighty, dude. I mean, yeah. the wings. Which passing, is why Huso was so valuable, like you right. said. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they, they just their passing was out of sync. Uh, the Devils oh were swarming gosh. them. The passing was abysmal in the, the second passing period. was abysmal, and like you, you already mentioned it. I mean, there was no resistance on zone entry from. Uh, which is like such a polar opposite of what the first period was, which was so frustrating. Like the first period, the best attribute about, and there was a lot, but the the best attribute about the wings in period one was the forecheck. It was the most aggressive forecheck I've seen in a period of Red Wings hockey in what feels like years. Like it was, and it was exciting and they were applying a ton of pressure. And then in the second period, it, it was so the opposite and so non-aggressive on the four check that there was just no resistance period. I, I mean, you're just walking, you know, zone entry was easy as can be just walking in to the wing zone for, uh, for the devils. And yeah, it, it, it was, it was not great, man. It was really, really the, again, like polar opposite. Yeah. I mean, like you got sprinkled in there, some like really nice plays as well. Like Justin Hall, for instance, their devils were attempting a wraparound and he slides across the slot and stops yeah. wraparound with a skate. Um, Obviously, the Red Wings were the, still the team that struck first in this game. Um, your boy, Daniel Sprong, Oracle moment, that third eye opened, you called third it. Third eye opened, uh, baby. He quite literally ran into one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was an, a, a clear attempt by the Devils defense that deflected off of Sprong's shin pad between Vinicek's legs, and, and that was the first goal. So, you know, despite how badly out, outplayed the, the Red Wings were in period number two, they did strike first, but then Jack Hughes quickly got that one back and gave them another one because, again, the gap control, like the second period, it's like the Wings didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to play them, and they, the Devils just continually. The Devils are fast, too. Yeah. I know we got to get to a break, but, like, yeah. they're they're a fast hockey team, too, man. So, that's, you know, to keep pace with them for 60 is tough. It is absolutely tough. But, I mean, hey, good teams win against other good teams. And, Correct. Uh, you know, the, they couldn't do it in this one, unfortunately. Uh, not trying to hit sound the alarm bell after game one against one of the best teams in the NHL. But, and I thought the Wings showed, I did think they showed fight. Like Great. they obviously, period two didn't go their way. Period three was a lot closer. Wings score a couple goals. They tie it up. They bring it back within one. Just the Devils, just the better team in this one. Uh, we're going to take another, or we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. Um, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the line combinations, how they get shifted up, the pairings, uh, and Debrinkin's first goal is a Red Wing. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five antibiotics for emergency use and gives you, you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes... You have the medic, make sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication, delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. 
Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code LOCKDOWN at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are talking about the Red Wings uh, game one loss to the New Jersey Devils. Scotty, where do you want to go here? We kind of have like lightly touched on a bunch of different things here early yeah, on. Yeah. Mostly talked about the first and the second period. We yeah, haven't really well, talked about talk, individual players yet. Yeah, I, I want to talk line blender. I think that's an easy transition into some individual performances as well. Um, you know, the, the forward lines, they went... 12-6, by the way, um, and, and then the, the four and not 11-7, like there was kind of rumored it might be. We found that out the more this morning, yesterday morning. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the forward lines were pretty straightforward. There was really no surprises there. Uh, as far as the defensemen go, certainly no surprise at the top. Uh, Petrie and Sherratt together, not necessarily a surprise, but on the second pair and putting Ghost on the third pair off rip, I, I thought was kind of a, I don't know, I'll call it an interesting decision. Uh, but as the game went along, there was a lot of blender happening uh, the, on the forward lines as well. In the third period, we saw Raymond play with the top line and play with uh, Larkin and Debrinket. I think that that might have been like a, we need a goal line. You know what I mean? Like, I think mm -hmm. that might've been more situational than like Perron doing anything poorly necessarily. I think that was more of just, uh, oh, like we need a, <laughs> we're down, we need a goal. We're going to put all of our best goal scorers, presumably on the ice at the same time. Um, and yet like Ghost played all of the power plays. So he, even though he was third pair, he, he you know, his time on ice was still pretty solid. But I'll tell you what, um, I mean, if you want to start getting into in, some individual performances, I, I, I'm not trying to overreact after one game. Do it. No, I, I'm really not. <laughs> no, don't. I'm but Ghost Despair playing fewer minutes than Sherratt and Petrie is going to drive me absolutely nuts <laughs> if it keeps happening. Um, and it happened in game one. Ghost Despair, even with playing the power play minutes, ends with 15-26. Sherratt and Petrie both play almost exactly the same at 17-01, 17-02. Petrie had... A lot of penalties, most of them really poorly timed at that, especially there in the third period. Um, I didn't think that the pair was terrible out there, to be completely honest with you. I didn't think it, I was watching. I was like, oh, like, you know, th these guys are awful or these are two, you know, traffic cones out there. I wasn't pissed with the play necessarily, at least straight up. Um, but uh, Ghost is just like too much of a weapon to me, especially again in the third period when you needed goals. Like we just talked about the forward swap when you put Raymond on the top line in order to get as many goal scorers as possible out there. And then Sherratt and, and Petrie are out there and there's a penalty against you give up a goal with them on the ice. Like it, yeah. it just, that is something, if that continues, that will drive me very, very upset very quickly. So I do, I want to back up to something you mentioned first. I actually disagree with you a little bit. I do think that the reason they pulled Perron off that top line is I don't think that that top line of Debrinkin, Larkin, Perron were, were doing a whole heck of a lot on uh yeah, I mean, at even strength and so they're going back to raymond to see if maybe it's so like you were partially right like they, they're trying to score oh, a goal but also that top line i, they I could both the, be true right like they right. could yeah right i i thought the other the middle the, the two middle lines 
were the, the middle six lines were the ones that were really doing cops and conference lines were the ones that were yeah, really I thought providing first a period, line. The fourth line might've been the best line for either team. I thought, I mean, Costin posted what, I mean, that was a Costin looked really, really good well too. And then he struggled later on. So, well, and for what it's worth, even though at even strength, those three guys only played like Valeno played about 10 minutes and then Costin and Fisher played seven, seven and yeah. seven. Fisher uh, had the injury too. They were, Second, third, and fourth in the team in expected goals, four percentage. Yeah, I thought they looked really good the first half of the game, and then just didn't play much in the second yeah. half. Obviously, but that's fine. Like they're your fourth line; oh, you're not going to play them a yeah, whole lot. But if they're exactly. if they're making the most out of their time on the ice, then that's sure. that's pretty good. And Joe Valeno, I thought did look pretty good. But yeah, I, I just wanted to say that I think that the line change in the third period, putting sure, Raymond sure. back on the first line, was actually just a response to the fact that that top line hadn't been producing a whole lot. Yeah. Um, going back to your pairs, though. I completely agree. I think that if they continue to, and it's game one, so I'm not overreacting. Yeah, it yeah. Could take time to find chemistry, right? Um, but we we texted beforehand, and you were like, "L," you were, I think you said like, "LOL, Sherrod." I sent uh, no, I sent a GIF of um from the show Dave, and it's him sitting there and him going, "Uh, okay." And <laughs> I texted you that GIF, and it was. And it was Petrie Sherratt's second pair. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I, I countered back with like, just because their second pair, third pair doesn't mean it necessarily is going to get more minutes. Like it could be a possibility they split minutes pretty evenly. That obviously isn't true. Cause I think Justin Hall finished with about, according to ESPN, about 12 minutes of even Whoa. strength ice time. Whereas Petrie and Sherratt finished with a lot more. And you're right. Petrie and Sherratt were not very good in this game. And you get, and again, Petrie took, multiple penalties and i'm trying to like find redeeming qualities like oh they're multiple like black shots or hits like maybe they brought the and they did bring the physical element and they did intimidate like that's their role but maybe not together um <laughs> at yeah, the same well, that, time that's my point man like they were on the ice in a critical part in the third period and it ended with a penalty against and a goal given up like <laughs> like you know what i mean like that's i mean that's again it's it's one game i'm not saying that's just how the whole season's gonna look but like it, it, when you're playing from behind, why would you not unleash your like best offensive blue line weapon? You know what I mean? Like yeah. that just, and, and instead you go with, you go with Sherrod and Petrie like that, which like clearly it didn't work, but you know, hindsight's 2020, 20, I guess. Maybe I'm just talking from that perspective, but I didn't like it in the moment either. No. And I, they didn't, they didn't play a good game. Meanwhile, Justin Hall and Ghost Bear were a really good defensive pair out there. Yeah, I was, man, I thought they looked really good, even strength. And then I thought Ghost did exactly what we think he's going to do this season on the power play. I thought the peeper looked great. Yeah, I mean, did you see the peeper? Yeah. That's great. I love that. Uh, using that from now on. I mean, Justin Hall, in his 11 minutes and 22 seconds of ice time, he led the team in expected goals 4%, percentage, 71.06% yeah. um, at even strength, a relative of 42. So the team, the team produced... 42% more quality shots when Hall was on the ice. And again, you know, just at the at the flip side of the coin, well, Petrie and Sherratt have, may have had a bad game and they could figure it out after game one. You know, it could be like Hall just played an exceptionally good game, but that so far, that pair of Ghost Despair and Hall looked really good. Um, if you go to hockey stat cards, go, Ghost Despair was fifth on the team expected goals, four percentage. If you go to hockey stat cards, uh, Shane Ghost Despair and Justin Hall led your team. So like, what what we're seeing on the ice was reflected in the advanced analytics, whether or not you believe in that stuff for both those pairs. I mean, yeah. Jeff Petrie was your worst player on the team um, at expected goals or uh, hockey stat cards, you know, in terms of in-game impact. Yeah. I'll throw that I up mean, for you guys. Yeah, like product, again, like I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think that the entire 
like when I was watching them that I was like, oh my goodness, this is the worst pair I've ever seen in my life. But I, I, I just, I didn't understand the situation of going to them late. Uh, I didn't understand them getting second pair and getting more minutes than ghost to spare. And I, yeah, those are like my big, my two biggest qualms. And then like, obviously on the ice, you know, I, I've already said it a million times, but like Petrie with some pretty poorly timed penalties in this game. Yeah, but well, let's focus on that. Uh, I agree with you completely, but I don't want to get too down in the dumps after game number one. I thought, no, no, again, like I'm not saying that this is like what these guys are going to be throughout the rest of the year. I'm not saying it's a complete disaster. I'm not saying Ghost isn't isn't going to get like more minutes. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying objectively in game one, that's that's what happened. Yeah, um, Ghost is Barrett Hall. I just thought made a really good pair. Hall or just Ghost is Barrett doing exactly what you brought him in to do, like you were saying, just. Driving the oh, puck, a lot of scratch, obviously. I guess, you know, but I mean, wasn't that kind of the guy we were thinking might be the scratch, anyways? Yeah, I, I think game one, honestly, it, it's I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to like speculate or like do poor journalism, but, like, I think that might have just been like, which one of you makes the least amount of money? Okay, opening night, <laughs> scratch. like, seriously, well, they're gonna uh, scratch Sherratt, like, he has the biggest contract on the blue line, like, no, like, you know. <laughs> Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it won't be the case all season. No, obviously you know, not. Model will get a ton of playing time, but um, I think for opening night, that literally might have been it. I, I also want to give a shout out. I thought, to be fair, of the Wolman Cider pairing, I thought Wolman had the better game. Uh, I thought yeah, Cider looked great. I um, thought both of them, you know, given again, like this is a really good Devils team. It's a really fast Devils team. And I thought mm-hmm. that they, uh, outside of the second Hughes goal, I thought that they played pretty well. Yeah, I mean, Cider was caught chasing on both of Hughes's goal. Although I, I think he played the first Hughes goal perfectly. He chased him to the corner, yeah, yeah, boxed him to the outside. The second the, one he did not. Yeah, the, the second one, one that was everyone kind of failing the gap control. But yeah, just you know, walked in the right in front of the It was a little bit of a mixed bag out of those two, but I thought Wolman did a fantastic job in this game. You know, yeah. one he drew that critical penalty uh, yeah, from Jack time. Hughes. Jack Hughes frustrated, slashed him. He broke up. I remember in the first or second period, he had devils coming down towards him in the defensive zone. He broke up. He knocked the puck off the puck carrier. That puck then found its way to the second guy. He blocked a pass from that. Yeah. Uh, then in the third period, that Fabry goal is not scored if he doesn't jump up and keep that puck in the offensive zone. Although to, to more Siders credit, um, he also dove to keep the puck in on Debrinkit's power play goal. So, while they both had kind of a mixed bags worth of game, there was a lot of good things, especially out of Wallman, to to be to make note of in this game. For sure, uh, more cider. I think there was a little bit of extra rust he may, may need to shake off in this game, but he's also again got the most amount of responsibility playing against the toughest matchups. So, I again no overreactions, just talking about what I what I saw. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got Owen Powers contract in the back of his head. Jesus. Now we got to do a third. Does this impact Siders next contract? Right. episode? It's going to become an ongoing joke. Every single contract that's signed in the, for the rest of the history of the league. But how does this affect more Siders contract? You're going to see some rookie sign an ELC and we're going to be like, how does this right. affect Siders? Or how does this affect LeBron's legacy? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's our version of that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we're going to wrap up our conversation. Still got to talk about the fact that Debrinket scored. Um, What what was that? I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, I didn't catch that. Uh, So, But first, we got to talk to you guys today about Sleeper. 
The NHL is NHL season is finally here. The Red Wings have begun, unfortunately, starting 0-1, but home opener on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Going to get back to 1-1. Yeah, what calling a schedule it now. to start off the year for the boys. You know what? You got to show up, baby. If you want to make the playoffs, you got to beat them. Uh, I absolutely love the NHL. I know you guys do, too. So that's why I want to talk to you guys today about Sleeper. Sleeper is the official daily fantasy app of the Lockdown NHL Network, and it's my go-to for fa- daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey. With Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash on daily fantasy. I Guys, I'll be honest with you. I love fantasy. I love fantasy hockey specifically because I like hockey the most. Um, I'm not very good at it, just like my my betting. Not, not the best. We're all shocked. Uh, right. Go figure. Brian's bad at doing something. It's an ongoing joke in my entire life. <laughs> what a turn. <laughs> Brian's also bad at keeping his shoulder in the socket. Um, that's an also ongoing joke in my life. But it's so fun to play nonetheless. It makes it, it so easy to play. And every once in a while, when I win a night, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm not bad at uh, fantasy. <laughs> And so I play again. You guys are going to enjoy it. And you know what? Uh, it's The NHL has never had bigger, you know, marketable stars than it's had now. McDavid, Ovechkin, Crosby, McCarr, Jake Wallman, maybe. Just pick more or less on stats for these stars, like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more. And uh, it offers 100 time payout, 100 times payouts on sleepers. So start paying attention to get your picks right. And you could win big use promo code lockdown NHL and you'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit terms and conditions apply. That's lockdown NHL. See sleepers terms of use for details. Segment three lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, we've got to mention to bring it, man. Power play. Mm, bang, bang, goal. Let's go. Good. Yeah. Good, I mean, man. Um, the, the power play and penalty kill in general looked pretty. Yeah. Solid. I, I, like I said, I, I thought the power play looked great. Um, I thought, yeah, the penalty kill I, I thought was really, really solid as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't really have too much else to add. I, I mean, it was a good goal. Um, glad that we, you know, we can get, kind of get that uh, like off his back early, right? We mm. kind of get like that whole like, oh, when's he going to score his first goal? Like, okay, here's opening night. We don't have to talk about it. Um, so that's that was good. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested in, I don't know how to word this, not in a reaction to game one, just in general, like since the signing happened, I'm much more interested in his five on five production than his power play production. So like, mm-hmm. I'm happy it happened. It was a huge goal in the game. Glad that he got his first goal. Um, but I, I mean, going forward, I, I'm much more intrigued by how effective he's going to be on even strength. Yeah, and I mean, that power play that he scored on wasn't necessarily the best example of puck movement because Larkin tried to cut out in front and lost yeah. it and just found its way to Debrinket, who fired it home. But I mean, outside of that, it te- ESPN has the Red Wings listed as two for six, two for five on the power play. They listed Fabry's goal as a power play goal, but I could have swore that came at four on four with the goalie pulled for a fifth man. Unless, because I know they were. No, four I think it had four. just ended. I'm so pretty sure that it just ended. It was six on five. Okay. So it was a power play goal for Robbie Fabry because sometimes ESPN gets the stuff. That wrong. power play ended with like forty-five or fifty seconds left, and they scored you're right. with thirty-three seconds. You're, left. you're spot on. So yes, it was a power play goal for Fabry. So your power play technically goes two for four, fifty percent. I thought, especially again in the first period, the puck movement on this power play is incredible. Like one, yeah, the ability yeah. to retain the puck has been I was impressed with. The under pressure they were able to get away. Cider had a couple of good plays in that mm-hmm. regard. That's where Cider really excelled in this game was on the power play. Um, the puck movement down low 
just the, they had the devils. This is where the devils really couldn't figure anything out and kind of were just collapsing on the net, yeah. trying to keep anything out of the slot. The oh, Red Wings ghosts, were, dude. Oof, so ghosts. good. He he's so fun to watch on the power play, man. And I mean, that's where I think was it that's where Sprong hit the post. Yeah. Was on one of the power plays in the first period. Yeah. Uh set play, I looked like just draw back again, like we saw in preseason, kind of draw back towards the point and just re- release a rocket. Uh, and then, of course, to Brinkett's goal and Fabry's goal, penalty kill one for six, uh, five for six, technically from the Red Wings' perspective. Penalty kill did a great job in this game, especially because yeah. there was a lot of back-to-back penalties. Red Wings took Perron taking a couple slashes, although the second slash was pretty weak. It was still technically oh, a slash. Dude. It was technically a slash. I know, I know. Books, and like the league is is the, cracking down on the hands too. Like the league is like uber sensitive when it gets near the hands too. But golly. Yeah, I mean, I'm right. I completely agree. It was kind of weak, but it was by the books. A slash show, they called it, and I can't really complain too much about it. Um, But, I mean, they did a fantastic job of keeping the Devils' chances to the outside on the penalty kill, with the exception of Jack Hughes, who was on the outside behind the net, just released an absolute just piss missile of a shot off the top, at the side of Huso's helmet. So, I mean, when it comes to special teams, pretty impressed. I, I really liked what I saw against one of the best teams in the league. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think anything else off my dome that needs. Let me check. Let me let me refer to my notes let while I do that. My, my I, I mean, I'm trying to think too, man. I, I I was impressed with the the faceoff circle. I wanted to point that out. Um, oh yeah, they won 55, almost 56 percent. Yeah, well, I, yeah. So Cop goes uh, seven and six. Larkin goes 13 and eight. Uh, Fisher went one and zero. Oh, shout out. Um, but the biggest one for me was like, the, again, like you want to point to besides the score sheet, like reasons as to why you bring a guy in JT Comfort 12 and seven, 63% in the faceoff circle in this game. I thought he was when, when the team was forechecking well, I thought he was one of the best in that area as well. I kind of came and went with the rest of the team, but I, I thought that he was really aggressive defensively he was a really good defensive forward for the first half of this game um so yeah i that was something i wanted to point out as well and then um yeah i i'm trying to think of anything else i can't really i mean overall i thought i the in the top line it did say that they were pretty invisible for a lot but they did have a couple opportunities there's one oppor- one moment where to bring it on at five on five won the race the puck in the corner yeah. and then centered it to the larkin for a slap shot in the slot just couldn't bury it um, so like there were moments here and there where like you can start to see that chemistry begin to build, but there was still obviously a lot of miscommunication in the second and third period that wasn't helped out by the fact that the devils were a fast, aggressive team kind of put the pressure on, uh, again, yeah, outside, so just fast, outside man. the first, uh, there was a lot of firsts as well for the red wings points wise, the new red wings, at least. Yeah. Obviously Daniel Sprong scored his first and, uh, first goal as a red wing. Uh, they took the assist away from my boy, Michael Rasmussen. I even tweeted out he was a point-per-game player. And then in the third pranked. period, they're like, yeah, we're going to take that away. Get pranked. Get pranked. Uh, Debrinkit got the power play goal. His first is a Red Wing. Shane Gostaspare assisted. His first point is a Red Wing. And then Fabry scored, assisted by Comfort, which would be his first assist as a Red Wing. So immediately, you're feeling the impact of the new guys. And I thought that those middle six lines, I mean, even the third line with Andrew Kopp was, looked really good. Um, yeah. And that's exactly what we thought. We thought the depth would be what really shined uh, against other teams. Yeah, for sure. And and like this is uh this is a game that I feel like in previous years, like even if you play them close in the first like that, um, you know, once the floodgates open, like they really open. And I feel like uh th- this was uh 
it was impressive to to hang tight and, and to come back and and uh, make it a close game in the third period. Just um, not enough gas at the end, obviously. Nope. I mean, still a lot to clean up, obviously, if you want to sure. beat a team like the Devils. Uh, but overall, I mean, you lose four to three, which is disappointing. You always want to win every single hockey game, especially the first one of the season. But you're going to lose games as well. So we're not going to overreact after the first game of the season. But um, get back at it at Saturday at LCA, your home opener against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Get back to one and one. Yeah, dude, their uh, their start to the season ain't ain't a joke, eh? I mean, going from uh, going from the the Devils to the Lightning, first two games of the season, that's it's uh, a tall task. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Scotty, you wanna you wanna dampen the mood? You want us to dampen the mood rather? Or not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else to talk about with this game. So if you want to move on, let's do it. All right. Uh, so we're going to take a couple minutes here at the end of this episode to kind of talk about, just address the fact uh, that, I mean, me personally, Scott, I, I won't. Huh? I said it's impossible to avoid. It's impossible to avoid. Obviously, the NHL made the decision to ban Pride Tape at the NHL level. Uh, this comes obviously as a conclusion of, you know, the whole hullabaloo that came on last season with some players, you know, refusing to wear the pride jerseys. The NHL did away with pride night altogether. I think theme nights in general. And then the memo came out from Bill Daly, the assistant commissioner, that they're going to just outright ban pride tape altogether. And I mean, I just want to say personally, I think that this is a step backwards for the NHL in terms of inclusivity in the NHL. It's just, it's, it's really disappointing, especially because, you know, we obviously here at the Lockdown Network have um, transgender co-hosts. I have a friend who's a transgender player who plays like local leagues around here. And I think it just sends the wrong message to outright ban it. If you, know, I, if you are going to do away with the Knights altogether, I think it should have been left an option for players to be able to wear it. At least that way, players who have family members who are like this or know players who want to feel accepted have the option to show support for those people. Uh, I think just absolutely outright banning the ability for players to do this takes away that same freedom of expression um, that players were exercising in not wearing those jerseys. So, you know, it's, it's players rights to not wear the jerseys, but I think at the same time, it's a player's right to use that tape. And I think taking away that right is just a step backwards for the league, the same league that just six months ago, was preaching hockey is for everyone. So I, I just feel for any closeted players in minor league hockey, professional hockey that sees this fact, the NHL is banning this type of, of motion ability as a step back. It, it just feels as if those players are going to see this and I'm trying to find the right words and feel as if maybe hockey's not as accepting as they had hoped it was going to be because hockey as a sport needs to grow. And the only way it's going to grow is by learning to accept everyone. And, and this sport has its problems. It really does. And I thought the hockey for everyone movement was one of the better things the NHL was doing to try and grow the game. And it's just disappointing that they would do away with it altogether and outright ban players from making the choice exercising their right to support a cause they cared about. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said, obviously. Um, I, don't, I don't have too much more to add, but I, I do think that the inability now to 
like under the rules of the NHL, express your support or show your support for them is um, heartbreaking, I guess. Like it, it's just it, – it's really – like you said, it's it's a big step back. This was 12 months ago. Hockey was for everybody was this sports marketing campaign. Um, it's it's a complete heel turn. It's a it's a big 180, and you know it's it really does come down to just like the complete banning of it. Like the the fact that you know even if you you choose to, and it's not like a whole team thing or like everybody must. Like the fact that that nobody now under the rules if they feel like they want to show support to uh, <laughs> like this community that that's just completely not under the rules and guidelines anymore. So um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. And, and I, I do agree that it is a, uh, a step back in the inclusive inclusiveness of a sport that is desperately trying to become more inclusive. Yeah. It's, it's just, it unfor is unfortunate because it, it feels hypocritical. Hypocritical, and on one hand, uh, or let me restart that sentence. I feel like the NHL almost outed themselves as having only been in it for the profit, and that's what bums me out the most. Uh, because you spend greater part of a decade trying to tell, "Hey guys, we want you to be a part of our game. We want you to be a part of our sport." And now, as soon as you get any amount of pushback from players or segments of the fan base you completely ban it altogether. And that that's just, that makes me feel they only ever cared about it for the, the profit. But you know what? I, the one thing that warms my heart is the fact that you've seen a lot of players come out and say, I'm probably going to wear it anyways, or that this is the wrong decision by the NHL. John Merrill, former Red Wing in particular, always yeah. has been a very active member of the community and spreading, um, you know, hockey is for everyone's campaign. So I've been, I'm really happy to see, uh, from certain players that they're speaking out against this mandate. Because again, I think if players have the right to not wear the, the jerseys, that at the same time, the players should have the right to wear the tape um, yeah. and well, not have like it. This shouldn't be. It's about the message this is sending. In right. And, and like the, the biggest thing for me is now like the rest of the season, this is going to be like some like controversial news story. Like we're going to yeah. have to see every night, like who, you know, is anyone well, wearing the tape tonight? Like, and we have to like, it has to, now it's going to be this, uh, this big like cloud that just like looms over <laughs> like anytime any action is taken in regards to like hockey tape. <laughs> yes. Like it just, it, it, it's, it's now created a, a complete, you know, storm and, and all eyes are going to be on those type of situations for the entire year. And um, yeah, just something again, as I said at the beginning, it's at this point, if you're a part of the hockey community or speaking about the hockey community, it is, quite literally unavoidable. And the fact that it is unavoidable is, is part of the issue. Yeah. And I mean, I firmly believe that everybody should feel like they can watch and play hockey. Play this, this is a fantastic that we all sport. Love. Yeah. And uh, to see them, you do a heel turn on this. I have to imagine that for many of our colleagues and any players that are out there, they see this and they all of a sudden feel a, lot, a little bit less welcome uh, in the sport. So, sure. because th this is a, this, let's be honest, this is a community that's been largely stigmatized for a long time. And so we were finally making strides. And now it just feels like it's a, it's a, it's a step backwards for the league. And for part sure. of the reason why maybe they struggle at growing compared to other leagues, but um, let's, let's end it there before we, you know, get too I'll far into it. Off of there. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure, but 
yeah, glad we uh, glad we talked about it. I just thought I thought it was important for us to mention. This is just guys. You can if you want to disagree with us, you're more than it's your opinion. You're allowed to have it, but this is just how Scotty and I feel regarding the situation. So, all right, Scotty. Technically, we thoughts? could do a game preview. Like we've already forty oh, minutes yeah. deep, but like <laughs> technically, we play a hockey game uh, on Saturday. So that's kind of exciting against the Lightning. Lightning at the time of this recording are 0-1 on the year. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. They. Um, they did I just lie? Oh, they haven't played yet. Yeah, they did. They played the Devils. They won five to three. Or God dang it, we played the Devils. Dude, the Predators. The Predators. <laughs> they played the Predators and won five to three. Oh right, Nashville. they were on the opening night lineup. Okay, ESPN. It literally says zero for one. So I'm not taking blame for it. Um, but yes, <laughs> they uh, they they beat the Preds. Um, I mean, this is a, a good team, and this is like a really good. You know, like the Devils are a really good hockey team as well, obviously, but. This is, you know, this is interdivision. Like we talk so much about like the Atlantic, the Atlantic, like what you have to do to climb up in this, uh, in this division. And I think it starts with pl- at least playing competitive, if not winning against the top teams in this division. Also, Dougie Hamilton played ESPN told me that he was out on yesterday's show. I said that on air. So that was super cool. He scored. Thanks a lot, ESPN. Yeah, what well, ended up no, not it didn't end up being the game winner. Technically, Hollow's empty netter ended up being the game winner. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this Tampa Bay Lightning team, they're still really freaking good, but you have an opportunity here with them scrambling for a goaltender to to steal a game, steal some points yeah. here. Uh so come out flying like you did and don't let up off the gas pedal for a full 60 minutes and take advantage of a, a weak netminder and not, and you can get back to one and one easily. So there's not again. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're so a win in the Atlantic is uh, like I don't I don't care if it's October or April, baby. You, <laughs> I want to win against this division because that's going to add up real quick at the end of the season. Yeah, I got a good feeling though. I do. Um, they're not a lot of data to unfortunately pour over because it's so early in the season yet. But yes, they are a one and zero team. Uh, they won at home against Nashville five to three. Now coming to Detroit for our home opener on Saturday. Uh, Give me a Peron goal. Hmm. That's a good question. Maybe that should be a thing this season, trying to predict who scores the first goal. Okay, David. Uh, you, you're going Perron? I'm going Michael Rasmussen. Of course. You just, should just do it until you're wrong, or until you're right, honestly. That's honestly what I was thinking, is I could do you Michael Rasmussen. See how long it takes to be right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Scotty, any final thoughts? We ball, baby. We ball. We'll be back with a new episode on Monday, recapping the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So stay tuned to that. Same time. Same place. It's your team every day. Every day.